Welcome back. We are back after a six month hiatus. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't th- I don't know if it's been that long, but it probably has been, to be honest with you. It feels like that long. It's been a while. Stu said what he's the last one that he saw was May. <laughs> it can't be that long. I'm looking right now. Man, I feel bad if it's been that long. <laughs> we miss y'all. Um, we weren't doing it on purpose if it's been that long going to our page. Let's see. No, October 3rd. Yeah. October 3rd. It feels like longer. It does. Okay. So it hasn't been six months. <laughs> like Jesus. Man, in true fashion, um, Adrian and I were having a, Long discussion, <laughs> two-hour discussion, and we landed on a topic um, by accident, but not by accident. Everything is happens for a reason. But what I want to talk about today is spending time with Jesus and how important that is. Um, and it comes from... The was that the was that a quote or was it from Stephen Furtick? Oh yeah. So I was um man. I don't I don't even know I don't even know where where to okay. I'll, I I want to give some context because yeah. I don't want to just pull it out of the blue. Yeah. So um I've made some some new friends recently, and one of the friends is at a gym that I go to. And uh he has a podcast and I've listened to his podcast and I've had conversations with him and, and in his podcast, he's talking about mental health issues and, you know, just stuff that he deals with, like mental stuff and mental health stuff. And, uh, and a lot of the stuff that he talks about that I heard him talk about on his podcast and, and I've talked to him as an, as a person when I see him is, uh, is stuff that I can relate to is stuff that's so relatable and that resonates and their scenarios and their thought patterns that, that I've had before. Um, and there was a book that I read several years ago. Well, I think about three, four years ago, there was a book by Stephen Furtick called crash the chatterbox, which um, really he unpacks a lot and goes into a lot of, you know, how we process the, the chatter that goes on in our head, what's going on, like the narratives and the things that we're saying and, like the self-doubt and the, you know, the condemnation and the guilt and the anger, like all these things, all the stuff that goes on in our head and he unpacks it. And so I'm having this conversation with this, with his friend. And, and I thought, man, as I talked to him, I thought, you know, he would really, I think he would really enjoy this book because this book blessed me so much. So I wanted to, to get it for him. So I got it for him. Oh, so I got him the book. I got him the book because I thought, hey, the stuff you're talking about, I can relate to this, this, this stuff, these, these biblical truths that, that Furtick unpacks. They're just so empowering and so comforting and so encouraging that I, I wanted to share that with him. So I gave it to him, but I hadn't read the book for three or four years. So I went back and started reading it again. And as I'm reading it again, man, this stuff is... is hitting me really powerfully again. These truths are hitting me again. 
And one of them is, he says something like, uh, he's talking about the chatter in our heads and like how the enemy will, he's talking about noise and how there's a lot of things that distract us and how the enemy will say a lot of stuff. And, and he has this one statement, I'm trying to remember how he put it, but he says something essentially where, um, I found the quote. He says, it's, it's not just what this chatter says that makes it dangerous. It's what it keeps us from hearing. And I, I highlighted that quote again because it hit me. It's like, oh man. So when I'm having these dialogues, these, these things going on in my head, whether it's doubting or not trusting God or being angry or being anxious or being fearful or being proud or being jealous or envious or whatever. When, I, when all this stuff's going on in your head, I guess the thing that jumped out at me again is, okay, so when I'm spending time processing all of that, what am I not hearing? What am I not hearing that God, what did I miss? God, God was trying to say something. And, and I've shared this before, I think on the podcast, I've shared it with you, Alex, that like the last few years, um, there's a prayer that I would pray before that's changed. Before I remember praying, often I would, part of my prayer would, my prayers would be, God speak to me. And over the last three, four years, that's changed dramatically from, it's changed dramatically. It's gone from, God, would you speak to me to me no longer asking God to speak, but rather asking him to help me hear, like help me hear what you're saying. And that's been a theme like on my heart for the last three, four years. And then I come and read this again and it reaffirmed and it echoed that same sentiment of like, often I would ask God to speak, God speak, give me a sign, give me a message, like help me hear what you're saying. Like, help, like speak to me. God's like, I'm speaking all the time. That's a conviction I felt in my heart. He's like, I'm talking all the time. You're just not listening. And then when I see this, this quote in this book, it's like, and that's why, because there's all this noise and there's all this chatter that, that I'm using mental bandwidth for that's occupying my attention. And I'm spending my attention on that. And while I'm paying attention to that, I'm missing what God's saying to me. I'm not being still and knowing that he's God. And just like that, the enemy has won. I think about a, a episode we did early on and we talked about what we, what real estate we give um, in our mind. Um, we'll take up the space of God. Mm-hmm. And in uh, that, and the enemy will use it. He'll take every single opportunity to use it to get us to focus on things. And the reason this came up is, and I love that Adrian shared that is a, the day after Thanksgiving, I had spent four hours worshiping, just sitting with God. And uh, the next day I woke up and um, on my health app, it populated as like, Hey, your heart rate dropped significantly like almost like alarming. And it kind of scared me because I was like, oh, geez, what happened? And so when I opened up my app, I, I was like in, my heart was, was like at 38 or 37 or something like that, like really low. And what I realized was that four hours that I spent with him was so peaceful that my body went into like 
full, complete rest, almost like death, <laughs> almost like death rest. But, um, but it was beautiful because that, that following week I, I was telling Adrian, I felt so still, like nothing could impact me because it was almost like, you know, when you're, when you're sitting with your dad and you feel that comfort and you feel that protection, like that's what it was. Like I felt like no, nothing in this world could come against me. Mm-hmm. And as, as I was, you know, telling Adrian about this, he re- he reread the quote and he told me the quote, maybe what, like a week ago mm-hmm. or maybe a few days ago. It didn't have the impact that it did today because I thought about you all that's listening and like our purpose and in our relationship with Jesus is like, that's what he wants for us. Like he wants to be with us. He wants us to, to, to be with him. And, and what an amazing moment that I have had with him. And I've, and I'm sure many people have had that. I'm sure Adrian has had this and he can talk about those things. But to be able to live it out and speak about it, with it being so recent, within a month of me going through it, and I, man, I can tell you right now, like that is such. It's it's so needed. Looks like you got something to say. No, I'm processing what you're saying, but there was something else I was was looking up to at the same time. Like I think about all the chatter that goes on in my head on a daily basis. Oh my goodness. It's a lot. Well, what I was looking up had to do with, with listening. Um, and when you were saying you had that, that moment of peace and, and before you were talking about hearing what God is saying, the thing that, that jumped out at me is, you know, as I think about the folks that are the people that are listening um, what does that actually look like? Because I'm thinking about, like, if I heard somebody say this, if I was listening to a podcast or I had a conversation with somebody and they said, oh, you know, God's always speaking. We just need to, to, to try to listen and hear. I can imagine myself walking away from that going home, sitting in a room and having a quiet time and being like, okay, I'm listening. And not hearing anything. Uh (laughs) It's like, okay, I I heard what they said and it makes sense, but I'm sitting here and it's pretty quiet. You know, I think one of the applications is there has to be intention because I think in that moment I was feeling down, I was feeling depressed and I I was making a commitment in that moment to not go back to the things that I've known to do in the past, which is like, you know, sit on Instagram and like waste my time doing that. Or, um, you know, going and hanging out at a bar or, you know, anything, right. Anything that's going to take the place of like sitting with him. And I think the, the thing for me right now that I can call out is I took the, I, I took the intentional time to just commit the moment to him. And I think that's what did it for me was, was laying it down and being, okay, I, I want to spend time with you. Like I want to sit here and I want to, and I just want to be, 
it's like going back to the the episode where I talked about, you know, I needed a hug. Like God hugged me. It's that. It was I was intentional in that moment to be with him. And it was this same moment where I was intentional to just want to be with him. And it changed everything for me that week. Because maybe it was a harder surrender. Um, I didn't open up my Bible. I threw on worship and I just let that soak over me. And um, Well, I think, but I think those are two really important things. Is sometimes, you know, if we walk away and we just go and sit in a room and we're quiet, like, yeah, that, that has its place. I think yeah. I know that God will speak in those moments, but then other times get in the word. Yeah. Absolutely. And not, not just as a checklist item, but get in the word and like process it, devour it, like just savor it and read the word. Or another, another option is, is worship. Just put on some worship music and just worship. Or another option is just, just pray. And that's, what I was actually looking up right now, the reason I keep looking down is I'm looking for a quote on um, being grateful. And sometimes, you know, for me, hearing what God's saying has looked like acknowledging all that he's done. Like, what is God saying? Well, what, what has he done? in your life. And this goes back to something we were talking about earlier. It's like, those are all statements. Like every one of those blessings we had, Alex and I had this conversation earlier about gratitude. And I I used a a cheesy example. There was this old movie. I I think it was like in the eighties or nineties. It was, it was a, it was a really cheesy movie with, I think it was an old WWF wrestler, Rowdy Roddy Piper. I think it may have been one of the only movies he did or something. It it was a horrible, horrible movie (laughs) called They Live. And in this movie, I can't remember the premise, but there's like, like a bunch of subliminal stuff in society and like people are being manipulated and there's people that are like zombies or robots or something that, that are manipulating society. But when you look out, you can't see those things, but he has these special glasses. And when he puts on these glasses, he, like he'll be looking at a billboard and it, it's advertising a vacation. But then when he puts on the glasses, it has some subliminal message like buy more or do this or do that or whatever, or obey or something. And when he puts on the glasses, he, he'll look at people and certain people, they look like these zombies or robots. When he puts on the glasses, takes off the glasses, they look normal. And I don't know, I thought, I thought about that cheesy example, but it's like, okay, flip that on its head. And I was thinking about gratitude and I was looking for a quote in that, in that chatterbox book where um, there's a statement in there where the author says, if you you make a decision to be grateful, you will find things to be grateful for. And the reason I thought about that movie is it's like like putting on those, those glasses. If you put on the glasses and look through the lens of gratitude, you will find things to be grateful for. But you have to have that moment. You have to decide... Like, I'm going to live from a place of gratitude. 
And now to tie this back to God speaking, when you live from a place of gratitude, then you start seeing all the things he's done. Well, that's another way you can say, what is God saying to me? Well, what has he done for you? What does that tell you? What is he telling you through those blessings? Because nothing God does is insignificant or trivial or frivolous. Everything has a purpose. Yeah. So when he did that, when he blessed you with this or that other thing or that relationship or that situation, when he blessed you, what was he saying? So that's another way that we can hear, like, what is God saying? And I think it's really powerful when we pause and start to, to imagine this, do what scripture says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and look for those things, like acknowledge all that he has done and all that he is, the beauty and the wonder that is around you, that he surrounded you with. And then not only that, but then also hear like, okay, what is he calling me to do? What is he challenging me to do? What is, where am I feeling conviction? Where am I feeling like God's calling me to do something? That's another thing that we talked about earlier where I'm still unpacking this, but, but I shared it earlier and it just, it, feels right to me. I feel like sometimes we say that we trust God, but we don't trust people because it's easy to say we trust God because there's no, there's no flesh and blood accountability. I can say I trust God, but who's going to call me out when I don't really trust him? And I think often, you know, when the way we treat people is reflective of how we treat God. Mm -hmm. So when you don't trust anybody, when you don't love anybody, when you don't serve anybody, well, if you can't love, trust, or serve somebody who's flesh and blood that you see, how can we say that we love, trust, and serve a God that we can't see? I was going to say one of the other ways, and and I'm glad that you said that because I was battling it in my head, hence the noise. Um, was community. But then there's the piece of me that was like, but you got to be careful and have discernment and wisdom because they can also add to that noise. Yeah. We talked about that earlier that you don't, this is why we need Jesus every single day. Cause yes, we, I think we should love, trust and serve people, but not blindly and without the leading and guidance of the Holy spirit and Jesus. Like, you know, you don't just do this blindly. That's foolish. Yeah. But we do need to be willing to, to be humble enough to follow somebody, to be humble enough to serve somebody, to be trusting enough to trust somebody. But in doing that, we need God's wisdom and guidance and discernment in doing that. Um, but to say that we trust God, but we don't trust anybody around us, I don't know that those two statements can can coexist. I think about with that idea, I picture Mary like pouring the perfume over Jesus's feet mm-hmm. and uh, her sister getting upset in the kitchen because she wasn't in there helping cook or. Oh, you mean Mary, Mary and Martha where Mary, Martha, yeah. where Mary was with Jesus, mm-hmm. not Mary Magdalene who, who had the perfume, but you yeah. mean like Mary and Martha where Mary's with 
spending time with Jesus and Martha is like, um, she's doing all the logistics. Yeah. All the noise. She's, she's doing all the things that you need to, to do to serve well, making sure like everything's set well. Oh, oh dude, you, yeah, you, you just opened a whole nother door. Yeah. But yeah. that, that, this is where I was trying to go yeah. was with that. And like, I think there's, um, I think the right relationships and friendships will lead you to that. To being like Mary with him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's something that I think we we touched on a long time ago, but in a lot of ways, and this is, we're part of the church. We are the church. So as I say this, I acknowledge fully that I'm part of this body. We've become a, a many times we've become a church of Martha's and not Mary's. And we do all the things Uh, but the relationship gets lost in the shuffle, but we ease our conscience and we, we sell our minds because we think and we feel good about ourselves because we're doing all the things. But often we do all the things and we're not seeing people. Yeah. But our own conscience is, is quieted because I'm doing so much. I'm doing this. We did this event. We did that thing. We did that thing. We served this way. And we do all those things to serve people well. Well, you know, the way you serve people well is you serve people well. Mm. And the most pure, direct way to do that is by loving the person in front of you. That is the most, like, are you present and loving? I'm not saying it's either or, it's both and. Yeah. How are you? How are you with the person standing right in front of you? Are you present? Do you see them? Or are you moving on? You know, are you looking past or through them? Whether or not they're in the same station of life, same age group, same demographic, like, no, I know the person standing in front of me is amazing because they God are. created them. Yeah. I can say that confidently because He created them. So when I see them, it's like, do, am I seeing beauty and wonder? And if not, why not? It's because I'm not looking for it. Yeah. Because it's, it's a transactional interaction. And a lot of times I'm busy being Martha and I'm not being Mary and being present. And the thing that's so powerful about this is every single one of us has the capacity to be present with the person in front of us. Every one of us has the ability to do that right now. I don't have to go to some workshop, some conference, accomplish. So I can do this when I walk out the door. There's no blueprint. I, I don't, I don't need to read a, a stack of books. Like yeah. I can do this right now. I was thinking about Rebecca um, from Perky. Oh yeah. 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 Um, Rebecca with her, we're praying her, for her grandma. Her grandmother. Yeah. She's the person that was in front of us at that moment. Mm -hmm. And that, that theme again, it's like walking out the gospel of Jesus begins with a person standing right in front of you. That phrase, like for the past three years, it's like, it's just burned into to my heart and Paula's heart. And anytime we interact with anybody and you see this and it's not just us, you see others in our community do it. Mm -hmm. And 
it's so powerful and it's such a missed opportunity because we get so caught up in the Martha stuff. We get so caught up in our life stuff and, and what we have to do that we look through, we look past and through so many people. And I understand, I understand you can't sit and have a, a deep conversation with every single person, but you can't be present for a moment. And I, you know, I, I love how there was a moment where Brent Parsley and Kyle was present with me. And I remember him talking to the team and I remember him spending time with me. And I remember him saying, and I always, I always butcher this phrase, but it's one of the two. It's either um, just walk slowly, just walk slowly through the room or through the crowd. And I remember he said that, I think it was on a morning where we were setting up in a movie theater and set up in a movie theater, we get there set up, you know, we get there at seven to set up for a nine thirty service. So there's a lot of activity. We're setting up the sound system, the lighting system, all the cabling, all the instruments, like every doing all that stuff. And they're setting up all the, you know, the, the, the little bulletins or little flyer things that go in the cup holders, like a lot of stuff going on. And then some people get there early and they want to talk mm-hmm. and we're all doing this stuff and setting up. We're all doing Martha stuff. And if we take the heart of Martha, it's like, hey, yeah, yeah, we'll talk to, I gotta go, I gotta go do this because I wanna serve you well. Well, they were just face to face with you. <laughs> like the very reason that you're doing all these things. Now, granted, you use, you use wisdom, you know, but you can take a moment to be present and to see them. And that has a profound impact. And I think if, I don't know if I said this before, but I truly believe that if we're all listening, if we are listening in any given church, if we're listening to the leading of the Holy Spirit, not a single person will go unseen. That's so true. If we're listening to his leading, not a single person will go unseen. Because you'll see them exactly as he does. Dude. Yeah, the conviction is, man, how many conversations did I miss out on? Because I cared more about logistics. And not not in a not in a condemnation way, right? right like right. it was just, dang it. I missed out on that moment. So we're having this conversation again. We had this, we had a similar conversation over a year ago, but we're having the com- this conversation again because this is one of those things where it's uh it's not, you come to the realization it's one and done. It's like, oh, I got that. No, you, you have to not forget it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's like, we have to go back to it because other stuff will happen and we'll forget it. It's like, no, we have to, we have to do this over and over and over and over again until it becomes, oh. Flesh and bone. Until the word becomes flesh. Mm. Until the word becomes part of us. And it's so ingrained in us. So good. That God's word and Christ's presence is so a part of our character that they see us, but they feel him. Yeah. You know, I I just think, thank God that we never, what's that term? Like you never, um, you never arrive. We always have to be learning this. 
And it's going to take different forms at different times because it's going to be specific to that person. And his word is true. His word is the same, right? But the application is going to be a little different for every single person. Mm-hmm. And that's what I mean by I'm glad that we never arrived because it keeps us on our toes to constantly be in relationship with him. Because if it wasn't, then it would be a one and done. Thanks. Move on. Well, I'm trying to remember. I think it was in a message that Ross gave one time. It's like the Holy Spirit fills us up, but we leak. <laughs> That's so good. I love that. It's like, I'm leaking. So it's like, we need to be filled up again and we need to, to revisit and revisit and revisit and spend time with him. And the more time we spend with him, the, the, the more these things become a part of our character. Now we're, we're never going to get to the point where we're done. Yeah. But I think the more time that we spend with him, the more these, the more the word becomes flesh in us. I was just thinking about um, the, the Brooke Lidgertwood song, Fill Me Up To Be Poured Out. Oh, what song is that? Is it a newer song? No, it's older. Is it Hosanna? Is it when she was still Brooke Frazier? Yes. Hosanna. Um, break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything I am for your kingdom's cause. Oh, gosh. I think it's part of that same song. Fill, I think that's fill me up so I can be poured out again or something like that. It may not be Hosanna, but it's one of her songs. Is it Desert Song? I think it's Desert Song, oh, but yes. I can't. I feel like that lyric I was part so. of Desert Song, but I can't remember that song. I can't remember the 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 lyrical lines to it. Desert Song, I'm going to look it up. Not Desert Song. <laughs> not Desert Song. <laughs> <laughs> um that we need to be filled up over and over again and we need to be near him all the time we need to be in his word we need to be worshiping um if we're going to become more like him here it is yeah it is and this is my prayer in the harvest when favor and providence flow i know i'm filled to be emptied again the the seed i received i will sow i will sow yeah i remember i remember that song yeah that's desert song. But now I'm never going to be able to think of that song without thinking desert, desert song. song. <laughs> You're welcome. <Yes. laughs> and this is why you need to be in community. <laughs> I'm going to think desert song every time I think of that song now. Desert oh, man. That's a sweet song. Man, his presence is so good. Like just thinking about just sitting with him. I told Adrian, like there was a moment earlier in my career where, you know, I was sitting in a parking lot and I was just thinking like, man, I, I wish I could just spend all day with God. But that also requires him to empty you out of the things that he doesn't want in you, which we can go into another topic one day because that's a whole other thing uh, that, I've, that I've been reading in, um, in Ezekiel. One of the things we were talking about earlier was one of the enemy's tactics is um, we already talked about the noise, mm-hmm. the, the the issues with the noise. One of the enemy's tactics is to put noise in our mind, you know, 
to distract us from hearing what God is saying. But there's another, there's another tactic that, that came up in our discussion before this. And that was, um, doubt and questions and even anger. I think the enemy would have us believe that having doubts or questions is sinful. And I know when I, when I feel sinful, I don't want to be near God. So the narrative that plays out sometimes is, well, if you have a question or you have a doubt, uh, you you don't want to be near God because that's mm-hmm. that's sinful. Well, having a question or a doubt is not a sin, and having a question means having someone to ask the question to. Man, the when I learned that it's okay to ask question was me spending time in the word, like watching or not watching, but like reading about <laughs> reading throughout the whole like old Testament thinking about Job, Hosea, Moses went to Nineveh, Jonah, Jonah, Jonah. And then all the, you know, Pharisees asking Jesus, all those questions, but that opened up so many things that I needed to hear. And you're right. Like the enemy will do that. He'll, he'll create that lie. Well, and I think the point of the lie is to separate us from God. Mm. Cause if you're asking questions, but you're, you're having a dialogue with God and you're praying and you're approaching him and you're asking him a question or you're, you're expressing a doubt in prayer. Well, you're near him. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> the enemy's whole point is separate him, yeah. separate you from him. Separate this guy from God. Get him, get him further away. Even, you know, so yeah. hey, if he, if he thinks about asking questions, make him feel like that's sinful so he can't approach God if he has questions. But the whole objective is get him, separate him from, from his God. And that's the opposite of what we should be doing. Yeah. Like God wants us near. He, he wants us, even if, if we come near just to ask questions. He wants to be near us. So I think recognizing that is important that come to him with your questions. Now don't, don't misunderstand. That doesn't mean you're always going to get an answer. (laughs) Read Job. Dude. But But more, more than the question or the answer, I think is the relationship and the presence with each other is What's important? I mean, that was God's response at the end of Job. Mm-hmm. Was remember who I am. <laughs> I remember reading that when I was going through my divorce and man, that just, that shook me because I, I had never read it in the way that I read it that day. Mm-hmm. And then just, just seeing God's response and then the the reality of, wow, like how big he is, but also how loving and gracious he is for him not to strike him down in that moment because he was asking all those questions. He was so loving that he, that he said, 
remember who I am, but I still love you. Oh man. And I have such a thing for you. Going back to what we talked about earlier. Trust me. Well, even in those moments, God's probably, probably thinking I'm near him. I love him. And if, if only he knew what I knew. Like, we, we, we have no, our perception, our perspective is so limited. And God, I think, calls us to, to trust him. He's like, trust me. Just trust me. Do you trust me? And I think if we're honest, often we don't. I don't think we're willing, we're willing to say that quickly, but our actions demonstrate it. But we're really not being honest with ourselves in the moment. (laughs) We're in denial. We're very much in denial. Yeah. It's just being aware of these things, you know, anything that's, I think we need to be really aware of, for me, it's important. I think it's important for followers of Jesus to be aware of anything that separates you from him. Anything that makes you feel like you cannot approach him. Anything that makes you feel like you need to run from him, that you need that you need to be apart from him. Anything that that creates a gap or a separation between you and God is to be examined and addressed, like, Okay, what's going on here? Yeah, that brokenness that you feel should be a warning sign that you need to get close to him quickly. Drop everything. Go to him. The beginning of this year. Mm-hmm. Like that first week, I clearly felt God impress on my heart. This is going to be one of the most difficult years of your life. Cling to me. And you'll be okay. And there will be blessing. Cling to me. And I heard that clearly that first week. And what I find so so profound about that message that God put on my heart, the first week of January, is that has definitely played out this year. And every time I've been in a situation, anytime I've been in a, a tough, and there have been difficult things, I just keep remembering, okay, Lord, I I don't get this. I'm going to cling to you. I'm going to cling to you. And then there were certain things where there were really good things that happened. Yeah. And I got excited. And he's like, cling to me. (laughs) Cling to me. Yeah. Cling to me. Like we were were talking about that, that, that metaphor, the image I had in my head of, you know, a father, a father walking with his son, holding his hand, his son or his daughter. You know, and they're walking down the street and God says, hey, I'm going to take you to that place over there. And us as children, you know, I see the, the son or daughter get excited and take off running. And the dad's like, oh, hold on. Just because I said you're going over there didn't mean you're going alone. We're going together. Yeah. Don't, don't take off without me. Like cling to me. Cling to me in the blessing. Cling to me in the storm. Cling to me in the good, in the bad, in the, in the difficult in the comforting, in the joy, in the pain, cling to me. 
Because any one of those situations, Man. we can find ourselves running away from him out of fear, running away from him out of uh, a feeling that, oh, everything's great. I don't need him right now. He's like, no, cling to me. Like we talked about this earlier, like imagine, you know, a father and daughter going to the, he says, hey, I'm going to take you to the carnival. And you're walking and, you know, the father and the daughter are walking and little girl's walking with the dad and she's holding hands and, and they get like 50 yards from the carnival and they, they see all the rides and everything. And the little girl takes off running and 10 feet before she gets through the gate, she falls on her face. It's like, we were almost there. Like now we got to go to the emergency room. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> hold my hand. Like just hold my hand and we'll, we'll get there together. Man. Just cling to me. You know, I think about, someone told me this um, about a few months ago. They were talking about how they, they were keeping themselves pure. And I was like, well, and they're older, they're in their thirties. And I was like, man, how did you? Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Come on, man. I turned 50 this year. Well, well hold 30s on. 30s older? Thir- I feel like a dinosaur right now. 30s of being pure. <laughs> That's a long time. I know, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm not calling you old. <laughs> but you are. Just kidding. Um, what, what is it? It's like seven. <laughs> I should be asleep already. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Get your nightcap. Uh, he, sorry. So talking about being pure for, th- you know, they're 30 some odd years old. And, but this is the thing that struck out to me is I said, yeah. Cause I asked him, I was like, wow, how did you do that? Like, that's a, that's something to like to applaud, but man, that's crazy. Like you're able to withhold temptation. And they were like, yeah. But the way that I thought about it is I'm probably saving myself from a lot of heartache. And I think about that right now, like all of the times that I could have saved myself from heartache because I bolted and didn't walk with him. Like I saw something that he had for me and I'm like, oh, dope. Speedy Gonzalez. And then I slide into the finish line head first, battered and bruised. And I'm like, but I thought this is what you planned. Well, I planned that, but I didn't plan it the way that you just did it, dude. You know? Yeah. What we talked about earlier is, God, God will never call you to something and not go with you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for that. He's never going to cast a vision for you to go somewhere and do something or, you know, call you to a situation or bless you with something where he's not going to be present in that thing. Yeah. Now, there'll be things where I think he'll give us a vision or he'll give us a blessing or he'll give us a promise and we chase after that promise and let go of him. Yeah. He's like, hold on. No, it, we are, are going to that place. Yeah. Not you. Like the intent is for us to go there together. This is opening up a can of worms. And we don't have to go down this road. So pull back if you need to. But I think that a lot of what you hear young pastors talk about and and just pastors in general, I've heard it a lot, is, you know, your purpose and understanding your purpose and knowing your purpose. And like, if God's got it for you, he's, you know, 
everything is going to work out. And, and there's this big pipe dream that's like built up in that. And the reality that I hear a lot is like God sending you. That's it. And yes, he may be sending you, but I think a lot of times they're missing out on what we're talking about, which is he's sending you out with him to go and do those things because you cannot do it without him. And I feel like I just need to say that because there's, maybe there's someone listening that feels like they, they have to do something alone. And the reality is they're not. Well, even that, like maybe it's the language that's, that makes it misleading. He's sending you. Mm-hmm. When you say that, when someone's sending me somewhere, they are sending me. To me, it kind of implies that I'm going and they're staying here. But that's not how God works. Yeah. He's always present with us. Yeah. He's calling us to something and he, he sends us somewhere, but we're not going alone. Yeah. He's present with us. He's not a God who's far away. And I think clinging to him and remembering that in every situation um, keeps us in his will. Yeah. He's sending you, but not without him. Remember that. Hold on tight. (laughs) Yeah. Just in every situation, cling. The thing about that message back in January is I've had, I think, several different friends and family members that over the course of the last year have gone through really difficult things. And at a certain point, about halfway through the year, I started feeling like God put that message on my heart for me. But I think he intended it for so many of these friends that I was walking with I felt like I needed to tell them, like, cling to him and you'll be okay. Cling to him and you'll be okay. There were so many scenarios where it's like, it definitely applied to me, but I felt like God saying, like, no, this is for that person. This is for that person. They need to hear that. They need to be reminded that if they cling to me, they will be okay and there will be a blessing. They need to cling to me. And like situation after situation after situation. I was one of those receivers. Oh my gosh. It's, It's beautiful to see it's such a, a beautiful expression of God's love because he, he gives you something. He, sa- he speaks something to you. He speaks something to you. And at the same time, he will often speak something through you. <laughs> that same thing will go right through you for others too. And you didn't, I never expected that either, man. Like there's, this has been one of the hardest years of my life. It really has. Mm-hmm. And... And I remember God telling me it was going to be. And then he reconfirmed that through you. And then when it happened, I was like, oh, crap. But the beauty of him putting you in my life was the whole entire time you guided me back to him. Like, you need to go to him. And that's, I mean, I can't. I can't thank him enough for putting you there. I remember we went to breakfast and I shared that with you and I shared that with Stu. And I don't know if Stu needed to hear it or not, 
but I needed Stu to hear it. And here's why. Because a couple of weeks later, I'm going through a struggle. And I start forgetting that message God put in my heart. Mm. And I see Stu and Stu's like, are you clinging? Yeah. Are you clinging? So many text messages so, from him. With so, that. so like me, part of the whole point of me sharing it with you and with Stu, it's like in, in God's beauty and wonder the way he works, the way his Holy Spirit leads. Part of the reason may have been just so Stu could remind me. Amen. Because <laughs> I forgot the very message that was in my inbox. I was like, hold on. I'm going to use somebody else to, to remind you again because you forgot. You know, I think if you if you listen to this podcast, you're, you're going to hear on repeat a lot of these ideas. And it's because God doesn't want us to forget them. Well, yeah, and that's something, there was an idea I, I dabbled with the last couple of weeks, a couple of weeks ago. It was a couple of weeks ago is none of this may be new to you. None of these truths may be new, but it doesn't make them any less awesome. It doesn't make them any less powerful. I, I think in our humanness and in our culture, we often favor the new over the true. Oh, I've already heard that. I want to hear something new. I want yeah. to hear something novel. I want to hear something interesting. I want to hear something. I want to hear a different take. It's like the gospel ain't changed. <laughs> <laughs> the gospel, the God, like we, we should not have to sexy up the gospel to entertain you. No one should have to do that for us. It's like the gospel is the gospel and it's powerful and it's true. And if, if we're unable to recognize it's profound power. Then we're not looking at it. We're not look. Yeah. We need to, we need to have our eyesight corrected because it ain't changed. No, it did not. And if, if what's, what's getting, getting to us is the packaging. Well then what's getting us is the packaging. What's that? What's that? There's that quote. There's a take on it. I, th- I think it's, um, I think it's a Tozer quote. And I, think, I'm, I know I'm going to get it wrong, but it's uh, what you win them with is what you win them to. Amen. So what, what are we winning people with to the gospel? The packaging or the gospel? Man, there's that. Um, it's like that, that uh, Instagram post I sent you. There's some guy, he was talking about how one of the biggest profound moments in his life is when he realized that he liked the things of God more than he did him. I said that to Adrian and I was like, oh man, I saw myself in that. Oh yeah. It, and I, I think it was that same post where he was talking about the way that we, we try to draw people to the gospel is the promise that everything will be great. Yep. It's like, Hey, come follow Jesus and everything. No, that is not what you're doing is you're selling the gospel. Yeah. You're not sharing the gospel. You're selling and you're pitching it and you're pitching it as a product that has benefits for people you're pitching it as the way you would market something. Yeah. Hey, come follow Jesus and everything will be great. You know, <laughs> the, the. <laughs> Ultimately in eternity. Yes. Yes. But what does he want to do life? on our, on our, on our hearts? <laughs> he, 
There's a big thing called us in the middle of him and, and uh, the things that are great that he has to work out and we're messy. Well, and we live in a fallen world. We do. There's going to be illness. There's going to be tragedy. There's going to be heartache. Yeah. There's going to be disappointments. That's mm-hmm. the reality of living in a fallen world. And me telling someone, hey, come follow Jesus and all those things, it's going to be rainbows and unicorns. That's simply not true. Now, there is going to be an eternal joy. Mm-hmm. There is going to be a joy that transcends and, and surpasses this life. What's that scripture there but the joy set before him? There's an eternal joy that won't get that won't be quenched. Mm-hmm. And that's because Christ redeemed us. He died for our sins. He loved us so much that he died to pay the price for the sins that I committed. And when you accept and acknowledge and receive that and surrender to him and follow him and invite him into your heart and you accept that you've sinned and you accept that he's died for your sins, there is a joy and there is a peace and a stillness in that that nothing can take away. That is the promise of Jesus, of following Jesus, of being redeemed by his blood. But that does not mean (laughs) it's easy. That it's easy and that everything in this life is going to be, you know, great and without without suffering. suffering. Man, I learned about suffering this year. Oh my gosh. But the biggest takeaway... A lot of that suffering <laughs> was because of me. <laughs> that was because of me. You know? I found the enemy and the enemy is me. <laughs> Hi. How many, how many of the wounds are self-inflicted? Is that uh, Taylor Swift song? Hello. Gosh. Or how's it go? I'm the problem. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Well, I mean, I think this is a perfect time to to give them an action item. Choose to live your life from a place of gratitude. Like from this moment, I was going to say, I was going to say when you get up tomorrow, no, as soon as you hear this, decide to be grateful. Decide that you're going to be grateful. And you will see things to be grateful for. And if you don't, I think you should turn on a song called Gratitude by Brandon Lake and the first verse yeah, should give you enough to start there and then go open up your Bible. I read a quote somewhere that said, you can't change your destination immediately, but you can change your trajectory immediately. In an instant. That's fantastic. In an instant. You can't change your destination in an instant, right. but you can change your trajectory in an instant. In this instant, choose a trajectory of gratitude. So good. All right, y'all. Well, we're back. I can't promise <laughs> when our next episode will be, but we're we're trying to do this on a on a weekly. Um, but like we said, like we've communicated, we're not going to force it. So, 
We love you guys. We'll be praying for y'all. Um, connect with us on Instagram and uh, we'll see with y'all. See y'all soon. <laughs> God bless y'all. Bye.